0: everybody welcome to Draft chaff this is episode number 27 I am Zach one of your hosts and joining me as always is Ben Fisher Ben we're here it's Christmas
1: we're listening to draft chaff <laughs> uh, we got uh, uh, kind of a throwback we got a request for that hey, Merry Christmas everybody happy holidays uh, no not everyone's gonna celebrate this but we do and for us this is a, a big day we got an episode on Christmas this is this is pretty interesting
0: yeah obviously we're not recording on christmas we aren't even recording on our usual recording time recording this almost a full week in advance but
1: no he's lying He's he just doesn't have the christmas
0: spirit Yeah, actually my family's right in the there. back just waiting for me to get off this so that we can spend time together no uh but it is it's really awesome it's really exciting to be able to re- put out an episode on christmas day and hopefully uh this this helps out somebody out there or like you just have a good time hearing this and it's gonna be a fun one we're doing as we've kind of alluded to the last couple of episodes on DraftChaff, We are doing a full mailbag episode today. We have mailbag questions from our Discord members, and we've got some spicy ones, so I'm really excited to get into this. Of course, before we do, we have to plug our sponsor. Draft Draft is brought to you by MTG Arena Zone, which is your top destination for all Magic the Gathering Arena articles, community, decks, news, and more. They have plenty of content for constructed and limited players alike, from top archetypes to theory articles and all sorts of things in between, so if you're interested in more written content, check out mtgazone.com. We also have our Discord, which I mentioned briefly there. Uh, Thank you to everybody who's been continuing to contribute there and making that place really feel like a full community. It's been absolutely awesome to continue to interact with all of you, and I look forward to doing so in the new year as well. Um, If you're interested in joining the Discord, the link to that will be in the episode description as always or on our Twitter page at DraftChatPod. And the show is also brought to you by you, the listener, via patreon we have a, a patreon over at patreon.com forward slash draft pod we have uh i always lose count of this ben but i think i think we have five tiers does that sound right yeah Four tiers, like five that. tiers <laughs> we still have one founder tier open uh so there's one slot left from the founder tier so go ahead and check that out if you're interested in giving back to the show directly that is the best way to help us out and keep us doing this as regularly as we are of course as i mentioned we have a Holiday Mailbag episode this week. Uh, we are going to still do our Teferi Tibble, but we're going to skip our crack and draft type thing just due to time and um, stay tuned because at the end of this episode, we are giving away a full copy of the cube. Of course, I should say we're announcing the winner of the cube giveaway. We're not actually <laughs> giving the cube to somebody here live on the show but we will the cube announce the is minute. uh
1: the cube is still a little under construction but honestly by the time this episode is out we're actually quite a bit before christmas uh, it's going to be just about done and we have everything that we really need uh obviously to the winner and to everyone we're going to be making this cube public so you can also grab it for yourself being a draft chaff cube it's going to be full of five cent cards cards you already have in your collection cards you've always wanted to find a good home for and well now you've got it so yeah. Uh, think of it as our own very uh very special holiday cube.
0: Yeah, and it's it's a full draft chaff cube, so it's all cards that we consider to be draft chaff. Um it's also pretty powered. Like it, it looks like it's actually <laughs> going to be pretty powerful. Uh, oh, yeah. so just because it's full of draft chaff cards doesn't mean that it, there aren't some some all-stars in there.
1: Like we're talking about blinking cloud blazers and then copying the card that blinked the cloud blazer, but then the other person wipes the board and reanimates a ten ten. Like this is gonna be a fun cube.
0: Definitely. Well, before we get into our our mailbag questions this week, let's uh, go ahead and give our Teferi Tybalt a, a shot. For those who don't know if this is your first time listening in or you haven't heard this, this segment before, uh, Teferi Tybalt is kind of a, a little bit of a homebrewed version of, of Roses and Thorns where we basically talk about something good that happened this week, that, that would be our Teferi, being that that's a powerful planeswalker, and something bad that happened to us this week, that would be our Tybalt, because he's awful. Ben, why don't you well, apparently,
1: us apparently he's showing up in the next set.
0: He is, yeah. They've, they've confirmed that that Tybalt is, in fact, going to be on call time. We'll get a new Tybalt card, and actually, I think, I didn't watch the trailer, but I think I saw a tweet from the prof that said that Tybalt's, like, the main character in the trailer.
1: Yeah, he is. He's got a nice, uh, deep, gravelly baritone. Although, they, they could have gotten me to play him, I'm just saying. <laughs> but um, he seems to be the main villain uh, of some kind, after some kind of powerful sword that seems to do all sorts of things. I'm sure we'll get some kind of lore. They've been kind of getting back on track ever since they uh kind of went awry with War of the Spark.
0: Well, how about your, how about your fairy tibble? What, what's been going on with you this week?
1: Right, so uh it is a little bit before Christmas. I like to think of myself as a good gift giver. I've got some gifts I'm really excited to give. Uh, I, I consider gift giving to be one of my giving love languages. Uh, receiving too, uh, but to a lesser extent than some of the other ones. But giving, I love giving gifts. I love picking out ones that are just nice. It's like, oh, I got them. Like pegging people uh, right in in a spot where I'm like, oh, yeah, this is this is what they could use. That being said, while I am excited to give some of these, I haven't actually gotten all of them yet. Uh, it's been pretty busy this year, given COVID and the snow days and the usual first year teacher stuff. So I actually I've got to go pick up some stuff. Don't tell anyone I'm getting my brother an air fryer, but I haven't actually gotten it from the store yet. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I got to go get that. Maybe later, maybe after recording, I'll run out and grab it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> very nice very nice that's awesome yeah you're you are you are good at giving gifts so i mentioned it in the last episode and i'm excited to see what you have cooking for me this year because oh, they're you. always they're always quite good one of the things that ben got me relatively recently i can't remember actually how long ago it was but uh he had these custom magic cards made uh that are the two of us and they are planeswalkers but they partner to be a different planeswalker and it, or they like they meld to be a different planeswalker and it's absolutely awesome uh um, yeah
1: those are pretty great
0: <laughs> yeah I still want to get them framed, I have them in my desk right next to me, but I I want to get them framed. But anyway, for me, um, the cube is coming right along, that's my Teferi, I'm really excited, we've been having a blast working on the cube. It's just, like, all of the archetypes we've been trying to put together, with the exception of maybe one or two, like, really came together pretty quickly. And we're starting to kind of get into the nitty gritty of like each of the individual monocolored cards that really should be should be there to help out with all of the, uh, the archetypes. I think it's pretty ambitious. We have we have like two color pairs that we're really trying to push. But then there are also some like three color wedges that we want to make work as well. And mm-hmm. The puzzle of putting this all together has been really, really fun. I'm super excited to see how it comes out and get some testing done. Um, and honestly, I can't really think of a Tybalt this week. I guess we didn't finish the cube yet, but it's just about there. <laughs> like it's almost, you know, another day or two. We probably will have it. But
1: your Tibble is that you have no Tibble,
0: Basically. Sad. Yeah. Well, that's it. Let's let's get into these mailbag questions. I'm so excited to, to really answer some of these because uh, we, we've ha- seen them trickling in. We announced the mailbag episode in our Discord before we announced it on the show. And uh, we've seen these trickling in for the last two and a half-ish weeks now. And uh, I, I'm just so excited to see to see what we have. So first question here is from the Wolverine in the Discord. Who is the better magic player? Me, Rannick Alfredian, slash Zach, or Ben? And Ooh. then he said, he said, duke it out.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, um, this is hard to say. I, I think we are we are pretty close. Uh, and we've played magic against each other so many times. We probably break pretty close to 50-50. I couldn't tell you who's got more.
0: No, uh, I couldn't either, to be honest. And I think if you were to take if you were to take actual logs, like from Untapped or whatever, if we had both had them running in the near like the recent uh past, I think you'd have a higher win rate overall than me. You've hit Mythic certainly more times than I have. But I also think it depends on what deck you're giving us and what format we're playing. Because if you hand Ben a blue-white control deck with no win con, and you hand me a middling, mid-range deck that cares about like trying to I don't know, get like graveyard value or something and make some tokens, we're probably just going to waffle around until one of us (laughs) gives up.
1: So we were thinking, how could we actually address this? And I I was thinking about an idea. What if we actually just recorded us playing against each other? Uh, We could maybe fire up some drafts and then save some of our best decks or just do some draft sims of some of the more popular formats, maybe put some constructed in there too. test out our pet decks against each other. Maybe a... mono green historic collected company versus mono blue flying blue whatever i don't know whatever garbage (laughs) you put in that deck the the blue main group flash flash creatures something like that um and then just record it and upload it and just share it out to like our discord and all the listeners announce that we could do that every break maybe it'd be be pretty fun
0: yeah it would and and i'll have the time at least so we should definitely look into that if you guys have any suggestions on how you think we should best try to make something like that work uh, please let us know. That'll be, that'll be really fun to try to figure out. And it's funny because I, I immediately thought, uh, constructed when I read this question, I didn't think about limited at all. So that's a whole different aspect of this that like absolutely is, is, is something to explore, right? Because there's the gameplay aspect of things with limited. There's the actual draft aspect with limited. There's also like format knowledge and things like that. So, that, yeah we could uh,
1: we could just repeatedly queue up and draft until we get put in the same pod <laughs> and then uh
0: yeah so happened. so uh lord tupperware and uh and and ben his co-host mr metronome on uh, lords of limited do this relatively regularly on channel fireballs uh youtube channel and i asked lord tupperware how hard it is how difficult it is to actually get paired in the same pod and we had a little bit of discourse on it he he actually said it's not very hard apparently there are enough drafts at fire that if you queue like right at the same time it's not very difficult to get put in the same pod
1: let's try it (laughs) yeah
0: yeah i would be down for that absolutely that sounds so fun
1: so next up from turbo ninja many people teach magic to their kids have you tried teaching your parents and how did it go Oh, man, this is a good one.
0: That is a good question. I have not tried teaching my parents. And in fact, I have taught very few people how to play magic. Ben is one of them. Uh, One of my old college buddies who actually I don't know if he listens to the show, but he's in our discord every now and then. Shout out to Jack if you are listening. I think I taught him or I brought him back to the game at the very least if I didn't teach him. And I'm starting to sort of slowly introduce my wife to it. But I I really don't teach too many. I'm a terrible, terrible teacher. Like I I can't (laughs) express how bad of a teacher I am.
1: Someday I'm going to have you come in and, and guest teach one of my classes. <laughs> oh, see how it God. Goes.
0: On what? Physics? How
1: about like quantum computing or something? That'd be cool.
0: I have given lectures on quantum computing before, but quantum there computing is so f- out, like, out in left field that I don't have to sound like I know what I'm talking about because even the experts don't know what they're talking about.
1: <laughs> That's true. I've always said that anyone that claims to understand quantum mechanics, like to truly understand it, they're lying to you. Like, the, the smartest physicists I know, they admit that it doesn't actually make sense because <laughs> our brains don't work that way. But, you yeah, know, I, I haven't i have tried teaching my parents. I've taught my brother a bit. It didn't really click with him in the same way it did for a lot of people, so I kind of let it drop. But he's a blue-green mage at heart. I was like, ah, whatever. I'll, I know I him. liked him. Yeah. <laughs> Someday I'm going to get him into it,
0: though. That's um, interesting. I I My dad always messes with me. My dad's kind of like a goofy guy now that he's, like, getting kind of older. I mean, he's in his... He's only in his late fifties, like he's not that old, but uh, he's he's get he gets more and more goofy every year, and he messes with me a lot, about a lot of my hobbies. So it, it might be fun to try to get him involved, but I don't know if he has the uh, like the desire to really sit down and learn how to play a game like this.
1: Yeah, my, my parents they know that like that we have a podcast. They know that I'm uh, like pretty involved in the game and, and kind of get involved in the community now, uh, and they they'll ask me questions. They'll be like, "Oh, so um, how, how's that going?" I'll be like, "Oh yeah, we got some new Discord uh, members today." And They'll be like, "You got some what?" <laughs> like all right we gotta back up and i'm like yeah so if you like one of them is a patron they're like Oh, what <laughs> how does that work with taxes and i'm like all right let's, <laughs> let's drop this
0: one you're just like i let zach handle that
1: yeah yeah but maybe someday
0: yeah that would be interesting i would love to see how your parents would take it to this game mm. that would be really intriguing uh next up we have a question from sirkovitz who's a pretty well-known member of the magic community at large i think at this point Great individual, Sirkovitz asks. Tell us something about your favorite food, and separately about your favorite Christmas food. So let's start with let's start with Christmas here. What's your favorite Christmas food? Do you have a favorite Christmas food? Why?
1: this is tough. So I guess we have to define this. Are we talking about favorite food that I eat on Christmas, or favorite food that's like Christmas themed?
0: Let's go with the former.
1: Okay. So every single year since I was I don't know since I started forming memories, I have uh, woken up with my parents, open presents on Christmas morning, and every single year, I always eat a chocolate Santa for breakfast. <laughs> like, with your <laughs> whole sale, breakfast. It's, well, I'd sometimes eat other things, like <laughs> one of the other, other chocolates that I, I got for Christmas. Naturally. But every single Christmas morning, for my entire life, as far as I can remember, I have eaten a chocolate Santa Christmas morning. So if that counts, that is a pretty I mean, integral- it's a food,
0: and you ate it on Christmas, I think it counts.
1: Yeah, I- I'd say so, right? As for an actual like Christmas meal, uh, usually we have a big family get-together on Christmas Day uh, with one of the sides of my family, and there's like a whole big classic Italian Christmas feast. They, they got all the pastas and salads and things you can imagine, lots of alcohol and <laughs> white Russians galore. Out of all those things, I think one of the things that sticks with me the most, you know crescent rolls? Mm-hmm. They always remind me of Christmas. For some reason, for those that, that don't know, it's it, it, they're kind of just these light, fluffy little rolls uh, They're just, you got them from ShopRite. Uh, yeah, like you just Pillsbury put them in the oven them, and yeah. take them. Yeah, yeah. But for some reason, those always remind me of Christmas. That and my, my grandmother, uh, R.I.P., her old applesauce that she used to make, mm. that always just feels like the holidays to me. We would always have it on Thanksgiving and on Christmas. And I know it's not the holidays until I'm having crescent rolls dipped in applesauce. <laughs>
0: Interesting. You know, some something about what that, just Crescent Rolls dipped in applesauce, is trying to trigger a memory in my head, and it's not coming to the forefront of my mind. Like, I know there's a memory right. in there somewhere about that, but I don't know what it yeah. is, and I don't know when huh. or why. But that's interesting. Crescent Rolls and applesauce. And yeah. chocolate Santa's. Nice.
1: And chocolate Santa's. So that, that's uh that's going to be... Although, that's favorite Christmas food. We'll sure. get to the favorite food in yeah, bit. So, yeah, yeah. so shoot, let's go through your favorite Christmas food.
0: Okay, so honestly, um, and we were trying to go through this this year because... This is the first year that my wife and I are spending Christmas together, like with my with my family. Last year, we spent it with her family. And I was trying to remember, like, what does my family do for Christmas? And typically we do the same. Like we'll go out Christmas Eve. We do something at home. And then Christmas Day, we usually go out to to some extended family's house or something and and do a big Mm. meal. And I can't really remember what we usually eat, to be honest. (laughs) This year, my dad is making a prime rib, which is great. This is also I, I don't think I've ever mentioned this on the show before, but getting a little personal here. This is also the first the first Christmas that I'm spending where my parents are split. My parents divorced uh, like a little over a year ago. So this is the first Christmas I'm spending in kind of two households, which is going to be interesting. We'll see how it goes. But My dad's making a prime rib Christmas Day, Christmas Eve. I think my mom's doing like a bunch of like finger food hors d'oeuvre type stuff, which is going to be awesome. I love that kind of that kind of thing. We're just going to chill at home, mold mm-hmm. wine and that kind of thing. It's going to be great. Nice. However, the one consistent food for Christmas, like on Christmas Day that I cannot remember the last time i didn't have on christmas day apart from spending the morning at my my wife's family is this thing she calls french my mom calls french toast bake which is essentially french toast but like you take it's like taking bread putting it in like the french toast dip that you would make to make french toast and then just throwing Mm. it all in the oven and letting it like soak up and bake and it's so good oh my gosh it's one of the most amazing breakfast foods and i'm a huge like breakfast person like i love breakfast food so she'll do that she'll do bacon orange juice milk the whole like the whole nine do you uh, have the extensions.
1: orange juice and the milk at the same time
0: yeah i double fist it yeah <laughs> no uh no but like i don't know i it's for whoever likes what i'm not a big orange juice person but uh mm, yeah. i'm just really excited to great. have like good good christmas breakfast again as for regular food just like non-holiday related food i don't know that i have a favorite i am a big foodie like i love 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 food and i like really good food so like one day i'll eat something and be like oh this is my favorite and then the next day i'll eat something else and be like this is my favorite you know
1: <laughs> just kidding
0: yeah um i really like burgers i know that's like simple and like kind of kind of like a, maybe a typical thing for for a lot of americans like good burgers are delicious i love exotic meats so like one of my favorite things to do at other at like restaurants is to see what kind of meats they're serving i've had kangaroo bison elk like all, all sorts of different random stuff mm-hmm. um i'm a big fan of lasagna and what else do i like Paninis are great, but these are like random little things I'm talking about. I don't know.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I feel that like every once in a while I would uh, I'd go to the old dining hall at my college and be like, oh, my God, samosas are the best food on earth. And then, and then I'd like forget about it for like two months yep, and yep. then I'd go to the dining hall the next day and I'd see they have samosas and I'd be like, Oh my God, they brought back the best food on earth.
0: <laughs> samosas. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. For me, it's just like, it really depends on my mood. I'm a very like mood oriented food person. So like, mood you know, food, I, if you will. yeah, basically like, like I might really, I love, I love like Mexican and like tacos and, and I'm Brazilian actually. Uh, so I like a lot of that. Like, latin american styles of food Mm -hmm. but like if i'm in the mood for a lasagna i don't want that stuff like you know what i mean it's just i don't know so
1: it varies it varies it varies
0: heavily yeah so so So, you're just samosas or is there more to that
1: (laughs) no i I can elaborate a little bit um i'd say like a a good pasta would have to be my my all-time favorite um some some form of pasta i I have to say my all-time favorite i think uh the thing that i i probably would have as my last meal uh, is this thing my mom makes called? It doesn't have a name. we just always just called it the good stuff. Nice. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't. It, I don't know what it is or how it works, but it's essentially a um, a a spaghetti bake. I guess us Americans love our our bakes, right? Uh, so it's you know spaghetti uh, sauce, ground ground meat of some kind, and then baked, uh, just drenched in cheese uh, of all kinds, especially like the, like lighter cheeses like like mozzarella's and that kind of thing uh, that'll like stay on top and kind of, you know, just sit there for a while and do their thing. And then I think it's got some like cream cheese in it too, uh, to kind of give it some like lightness. And then you just take it out, you slice it almost like it's a cake. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. it's fantastic. I could probably eat it until I died.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, no, it's, and it probably would kill you if that's all you ate. for the It rest of
1: your life. absolutely would kill me. It, it would, it would kill me if I ate it even for several days in a row.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're talking about like homemade stuff and you're reminding me that one of my favorite dishes to make and actually, so I currently live with obviously my wife, but we, we have a roommate and he's a a guy I've lived with since sophomore year of college. So like we've lived together almost five years now. He's also a big foodie, loves to cook. We like, we both love to cook. So one of the meals that I like to make pretty as, as often as I can, which is not super often, but, um is is a butternut squash ravioli and he'll make the dough by like from scratch and then i'll make the filling and we kind of do the do the thing and make ravioli out of it absolutely delicious yeah um, that sounds great i'm a big baker though i like to bake a lot like my banana bread nobody can be make better banana bread than me Ooh,
1: i've n- i genuinely have never thing. found
0: like i've been to bakeries and like gotten what is claimed to be good banana bread and it just doesn't doesn't compare
1: uh like comment and subscribe <laughs> if you can make better banana bread than zach
0: <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Uh, Also, I make a very, very, very good, uh, probably not the best in the world, obviously, but uh, I do make a very good uh, chocolate, a triple chocolate moose cake that is to die for. Where do
1: you get the moose? Do you Uh, you kill them or do you? uh...
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I grow them in the garden.
1: Oh, okay, Makes sense. Yeah. Turbo Ninja asks, what are the signature abilities or keywords of a Christmas land magic the gathering set? Ooh, this is, this is nice.
0: Yeah, I this think. is, this is spicy. Well, okay. There have to be snow lands, right? Like you oh, have yeah. to have like snow as a, as a theme. Signature abilities and keywords. I would imagine there has to be some amount of like freezing or uh, something to do with candy. Probably. Mm. I, I don't know how you would like what you would do for that as a set. Maybe, maybe you like get like bolster, not, not actually bolster, but like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, You have some sort of like food token or something that gets consumed and gives counters or something not not like the food that we know of from like uh eldraine but you know something along those lines i think
1: food could be a pretty valid archetype maybe like red green food big mm-hmm. big monsters that are hungry for for other stuff uh i'm definitely agreeing with the snow permanence actually now that i think of it we're gonna need some elves yeah, <laughs> to help us uh, help deliver some some presents oh, although God. maybe they
0: we're gonna need elk. maybe they won't look quite like it
1: Oh, yeah, we're going to need elk. This is actually a tribal set. Uh, we have, I guess, black, green elves. Eh, maybe, maybe. I have red, a hard green.
0: time. Yeah, I think I think it has to be red. I have a hard time picturing black in Christmas at all.
1: Oh, well, y- you got to have Scrooge. Oh, yeah, you got
0: me.
1: Some kind of Scrooge-y character. Perhaps a, an artifact called coal uh, that taps for mana, uh, but deals one damage to you when you tap it. Oh, oh, easy. Oh, ready, wizards? This one's for you. You can keep this. Two colorless mana taps for one snow mana it's called coal deals one damage to you when you tap it perfect design
0: there has to be it's, some there has to be that's some that's amount of top down easy. has to be like like some amount of give and take like you give you can give uh uh your opponents some of your permanence or something to get get the gift giving oh. theme in there zedru might might make an appearance
1: yeah maybe some um some donate type cards yep. yeah, yeah yep. that could be good
0: and of course santa the, the big man himself has got to be there uh, what
1: is would we would make him a human? Oh, he's got to be a giant, right?
0: Probably, probably giant wizard, maybe.
1: Yeah, that sounds about right. And I'm, oh, I'm he's picturing be him white, green, is it. red. Oh, Naya! Oh. Wow. I mean, come on! I'm just going on colors here. That just makes sense.
0: <laughs> I mean, right? it does, but from like a color pie perspective, does it make sense.
1: Mm, well, he's no, all about he's like benevolent. flying
0: and like and calm speed. And, that sounds like is it to me?
1: Uh. All right, hear me out. He's got to be a little bit red. Right. He's gotta get around the entire world in one night. He's gotta be white because he's benevolent.
0: Green Does he have so to be maybe, white maybe.
1: though? Oh, what are you thinking? Like oh I don't... Jess guy maybe. Because he's well I was thinking I was thinking some closer to
0: like teamer, maybe. Because I feel like there's gotta be green in there somehow too. I don't know why. I can't really quantify that. I, I can't like put that into words, but I feel like there needs to be green. Maybe he's just yeah. five color or four color, drop the black <laughs> and it's <he's> all
1: good. <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean maybe he's black. I don't know those elves. They might be a little overworked. <laughs>
0: yeah, maybe that's interesting. I don't know. I'm I'm. This needs more thought.
1: We'll come up with something.
0: All right, all right. Next up, Dorian asks favorite alcoholic and favorite non-alcoholic beverage.
1: Hmm, this is tough. I do like some good alcohol. I've got a big cabinet here. I, I like to think of myself as someone that enjoys mythology. <laughs> no that's not exactly what i was gonna say <laughs> although uh, i do like the occasional going out with friends and just you know doing the thing but as for my favorite alcoholic drink that is a tough one i am a whiskey guy i'll say although i nice. drink i didn't know that anything. about you yeah i've been getting more into it um I'm, I'm like easing my way in just you know getting fancier and fancier <laughs> whiskeys when i can and just to, you know just to try things out and see what i sure. like like a nice like sipping whiskey. I don't know. There's something about like, it's it's like mid tier, but there's something about like the crown Royal apple. I could, mm. that's like just always, so, you can mix it with anything. You can drink it straight. Yeah. Um, it's, you take, it's not,
0: if you take uh crown Royal that like cr- the green apple crown Royal and you mix it with Sprite, you just have the liquid version of a green apple Jolly Rancher.
1: That sounds just about right. Yeah. Although I, like I said, I can, I can drink pretty much anything. My friends used to, uh, to mock me because I, I would say that, um, as I'm a bit of a heavyweight, I'm a pretty tall guy. For those that are just listening to my disembodied voice, but if I'm just drinking like I don't know bay breezes, that doesn't really do anything to me. It's kind of just like juice. So sometimes I'll go get a bottle of Schnapps, like uh, <laughs> you know, like forty <laughs> yeah, percent, like yeah. like not ninety nine proof or something, like ninety nine proof Schnapps. Now that that's uh, that's my kind of alcohol. But no, if I'm if I'm trying to actually just have like a nice sipping thing, I also like mold wine, big kind of making that kind of thing. I love adding some Bailey's to hot chocolate, especially oh, this yes. time of year. Oh yes, that, yeah, that and, or some like. Wait, wait, uh, hear
0: me out here. Hot chocolate, you like whiskey? Screwball. Ooh, have you ever put Screwball on hot chocolate?
1: No, I haven't.
0: Are you a peanut butter fan? Yes. Okay, the two are made to be put together. It's Screwball is just peanut that. butter whiskey.
1: Yeah, yeah, I gotta try that. I, I have not thought of that. Yeah, no. Um, right now, I think my personal favorite is uh, a bit. Of, just, you get some apple cider from the store. You put in some. I don't know, any whiskey, Jack or, or Royale or whatever you want to do. Just toss some of that in there. A uh, little bit of red wine, an orange, some nutmeg, some cinnamon. Stir it all together for like 10 minutes on the stove. And you have probably the most delicious thing you've ever put in your body.
0: I'll have to try that. This this That sounds like a perfect Christmas drink. I'll have to try that.
1: Oh, it is absolutely the best Christmas drink.
0: 100%. Nice. What about non-alcohol? Like what, what's your favorite non-alcoholic beverage?
1: What? You, you mean like drinking mixer? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, so um, then this is this is an intervention.
1: Um, no, okay, uh, okay, okay. As for alcohol, I I do like tea a lot. Um, I'm drinking some chai right now. Hmm. I also just like random random juice. Uh, I like apple cider and that kind of thing without the whiskey in it as well. Uh, I'm lactose intolerant, so I tend to avoid coffees and milks. I never really could get into coffee. Uh, so just something about it, you know. Uh, although fun fact, one time, a uh, little anecdote when I was in high school. I was telling a friend that I wanted to study astrophysics in college, and it just came up that I just hadn't, you know, ever really drank coffee. And my friend said, Well, good luck getting through four years of an astrophysics major without getting addicted to coffee. So, honestly, half the reason I don't drink coffee is just to spite him. Because <laughs> <Like, laughs> I did it. <laughs> nice. Got to go drive around to his house and wave my degree in his face. And there you go. <laughs> I guess I could pick up coffee if I wanted to. But now, besides that, just, you know, juices and things like that although i drink tea pretty much every day nice. how about
0: you? yeah tea's good um well first I'll answer, I'll answer that first half as far as alcoholic beverages go i never really got into drinking in college like it just wasn't something me or like the friends that i hung out with were really into we never went to like typical like parties or anything like that so i didn't really know what it was like to like get drunk period and i had never had any interest in it but i also in caught co- like I've never wanted to be like that typical, like frat guy who just pounds back a bunch of beers and like, ha you know, like I can drink. Um, so I started my journey with alcohol, like just my, my introduction to alcohol was with whiskey and, Ooh, interesting. and, uh, and wine. But hmm. yeah, so I started, I started with whiskey and I got a whiskey. I just went to the liquor store, bought a bottle and I was like, I'm just going to try this and I'm trying to remember what it was now. Highland Park is what it was. And I don't remember yeah. how, how it was aged, like what year it was or anything like that. I just remember it was Highland Park. And my dad used to be a whiskey drinker when he was younger. Now all he drinks is gin and tonic cause he's an old man, but, <laughs> uh, he used to be a whiskey drinker. So I, 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 and I, I, I liked this whiskey. I thought it was good. So I brought it home to him and you know, when I was on break or something and I was like, Hey dad, you got to try this. I, I just started like trying out different whiskeys and stuff. Like you got to try this. It's pretty good. And he takes a sip and he makes this disgusted looking face. <laughs> he like recoils for a moment and looks at me and he says, Zach, this is just gasoline. <laughs> and the, the funny thing is like he he works with his hands pretty regularly. Like he does a lot of work on cars and he's he's sight, like he has tasted gasoline. He like he knows, what, gasoline <laughs> he knows, he knows like. what it tastes like. And I was like, really? I thought this was good stuff. And he's like, no, Zach, this is terrible. Please upgrade to something. um so kind of like you i've been exploring whiskey to some degree we got a bottle of um uh four roses single barrel for my wedding from a cousin which has been great i've been nursing that because it's really good but yeah i'll try i try a whole bunch of stuff for my bachelor party we went to we, we got a bunch of different like mixed drinks like mixed shots um surfer on acid was one that i really liked and that's um jaeger mixed with uh i think orange and something something like that i don't know but jaeger's good i a lot of people i've talked to have said jaeger's like hit or miss like you either like it or you hate it but
1: yeah i I like it i'm a fan
0: me too um and i like red like sweeter red wines not a big fan of dry wines and i really don't like whites like at all
1: yeah i'm not either
0: um i think typically because whites tend to be on the drier side and i'm just not a fan of dries Mm -hmm. as far as non-alcoholic drinks go i drink an absurd amount of coffee on a regular <laughs> basis like enough
1: for both of us
0: enough for five of us i like no joke i probably average and i've i've stopped counting and i've started to try to cut back cuz i know it's not good for me but on average i go through about a pot and a half to two pots a day
1: that's a lot
2: of coffee
0: yeah uh so that that equates to like something approaching like 8 or 9 cups of coffee a day um yeah, it's probably not great, but it it doesn't. I like I don't get jittery when I drink ca- like when I have caffeine or when I drink coffee. Like I don't get jittery. I genuinely and I drink it black. Like I just drink it for the taste. So you know, there, there's that. But it's also diuretic, so I frequently don't get enough like water. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I I usually cut myself off at like right after lunch. I switch to water and, and force myself to drink water the rest of the day, so I I don't like kill myself of dehydration. That,
1: that's a good strategy. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but um. That's interesting. I'll definitely take those notes on, on that that drink for Christmas. I really want to try that.
1: Absolutely do. Uh, listeners at home, that, that one's for you. So next up, Batwheels asks, uh, well, says, this is my all-time favorite question to ask. If you had to eat only one food or dish for the rest of your life, what is it? Now, this is very different than the favorite food question because I would not want to eat my favorite foods for the rest of my life. Me this, too. I've actually, I've, I've metagamed this one a little bit. I've heard this question before and I've thought this one out. So I'm fairly confident in saying that a pizza is the, the thing that you got to go with here. Because if you leave it vague and just say pizza, you can do pretty much anything with that. So for example, you could, uh, it, I'm imagining a, a scenario where I am trapped in a box and every day a pizza that of my specification is delivered to me. So I could order like, oh, uh, I'll, I'll get a fettuccine pizza uh, without the crust. And then uh, <laughs> I'll just You're get a like, savage. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then and that way you can mix it up a little bit and and kind of game the system. So other other options, you could be like, oh, I'll get like a um, I don't know, finish an olive, and then you have a salad. Uh, you can just get it without the crust. And then, uh, so, so this is my way of actually surviving okay, well, with some
0: okay. I have some I have some holes to poke in this.
1: Do some notes.
0: <laughs> First of all, have you ever actually ordered a pizza without a crust?
1: I mean, you could you could do it. It's probably possible.
0: Okay, n- next time you order pizza. Order it without the crust and let me know how it goes and what (laughs) what the reaction is from from the pizzeria that you're getting that from. Because I don't believe they will serve you a pizza without a crust.
2: I
1: think I could get away with ordering this. You know, uh, maybe, okay, or worst case scenario, I could order it and then just pick off the toppings and then eat that as a separate meal.
0: Okay, that's, (laughs) that's fair. Yeah, but I don't believe you could go to a pizzeria and ask for a pizza without a crust and like actually be served that.
1: Okay. So, sorry, Batwheels. This is tough, but I've I've metagamed this one a little bit. That being said, I do think if you could order a pizza and it was a little different every day, you do get a lot of the major food groups in that. You can kind of do the same thing with like salad or soup, I well, guess. But. And it's,
0: it's interesting too, though, because the way Batwheels phrased this question is they said, if you had to eat only one food or dish... For the rest of your life normally this question is mm-hmm. phrased such that it's if you had to eat only one food and then you have to question what is a food are you asking about an ingredient or are you asking about a full uh, meal because food could just be anything that's edible and if you're talking about like granular like the smallest thing that could be considered food you have to go from an ingredient by ingredient perspective and then you're stuck picking a single ingredient to eat for the rest of your life however that's true. they did say dish so i think you're safe by by saying pizza <laughs> in this situation.
1: My genuine answer for this, uh, if I'm not gonna do my BS metagamey nonsense, would probably be sushi. Um, oh, and I guess so even good. then there would be even then there would be a little bit of variance. Maybe bring me like a, a, a variety plate every day. But uh, I think I could probably eat sushi for my entire life and be honestly pretty Easily. happy and healthy about it. Easily. You know? I mean, there are some people that do this and they, I mean well yeah, it works out for them.
0: Apart from the mercury poisoning, but I guess it depends where you're sourcing your fish. I mean, yeah (laughs) no but i agree agree. sushi is absolutely outstanding i I, what's your go-to like roll if you had to pick one
1: i'm a fan of uh spicy tuna kinds of rolls uh, some like nice sauce on top although i do love seafood so really anything i'll take sashimi or sushi um Mm -hmm. there's actually a great place near where i live that has sushi bowls Mm -hmm. uh they I don't know. I don't know how common this is, but it's kind of like you take a thing that's in sushi and just deconstruct it. So um, it'll be like an amazing bowl full of like avocado and cucumber and imitation crab and just drizzled in like this hot like fish sauce. And it's so good.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now we have a there's a place in Hoboken, which is very near to where I live, that does sushi burritos, which is basically just sushi, (laughs) but in like the shape and size of a burrito. And I thought that would be problematic because to me. Sushi is very much about ratio, right? Like if you had double the amount of rice to a normal sushi roll, it wouldn't be as good as, as, yeah. as they are. Yeah. But I got to say, man, they nail it. Like I've had one there and it was it was amazing.
1: I mean, to have to try that. A bit time awkward to
0: eat, admittedly. But for me, <laughs> I, I cannot go to a sushi restaurant without getting eel, like some kind of eel roll. I love, love, no. love eel. And I also have I have this like personal requirement that if I go to a restaurant that has gyoza that I've not had the gyoza at before, I have to get the gyoza. Anyway, that's a tangent. Tangent from the from the question. <laughs> Batwheels asked me as well what I would eat if I could only eat one dish for the rest of my life. That is tough, and I like your your meta-gaminess on the pizza thing because you can always change toppings and it's still a pizza. I get that. If I if could, hmm, this is tough because I like want to ignore like health concerns.
1: <laughs> I mean, but, that's up to you. This is a pretty wide open question.
0: I mean, I think if you're eating the same thing for the rest of your life, you have to be working in a world where you don't have to worry about getting certain nutrients because. There are very few foods that would actually allow you to do that, that you could eat just that forever and be perfectly fine. Although I suppose the question is phrased such that it's the rest of your life. And, you know, if I'm eating the same thing, (laughs) it doesn't matter how long. Exactly. that That is a tough question. I just love food so much. I don't know that I can pick a single thing that I would want forever. It might actually have to be sushi. I'm trying to think of like the one thing I couldn't go without, like that would, I would actually be more upset like as a person, like I'd just be a, a a sadder person if I couldn't eat this ever again. Is Sushi. coffee a food? It's not, and I have given up coffee before. Mm. I have gone without it. Terrible idea because I got massive headaches because <laughs> I cut cold turkey and I just stopped altogether. Really bad idea. Coffee's super yeah. addictive. Yeah, no, but I have done it. I have done it. I don't know. There are just so many good foods out there. I, I would hate. I would actually just be really sad to have to pick one. Sorry, I know that's kind of a cop out answer. I, I don't really have a good answer for this question.
1: Uh, I got one for you. Uh, you can order some poorly prepared lionfish, and I'm pretty sure that just kills you, right? It does.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If it's one of the few, there are a few different types of fish that will do that. Yeah. yeah
1: if it's like not not prepared by an expert. Yeah, because it's I really think poisonous.
0: Certain pufferfish too, right? I think. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yep. Yeah. So uh, that there you go. Uh, one food for the rest of your life. You don't have to worry about the lack of variants.
0: Perfect. Next up, Andy asks, or I suppose the username is Andy underscore X, asks, shag and or kiss marry kill in the magic universe. So that's like that game that you play. Like, yeah, you have to pick characters that fit each of those categories for you. So Um, uh,
1: I know it as bed, wed, behead.
0: Perfect. (laughs) Love it. It Rhymes. That's great.
1: Yeah, right. This is tough. I wish I'd done some research on this one Hmm. first.
0: Let's see. This is really tough. So is it weird it that my mind immediately jumped to Planeswalkers? Like, it had to be Planeswalkers?
1: Yeah, but, like, I was thinking, there's also a whole lot of legendaries and, like, yeah. even non-legendary creatures that have fantastic art. And you're like, mm, I might want to get to know whoever that is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Jeez, this is this is tough. This is great, great content, by the way. Us just here <laughs> back and forth. Let's All i right,
1: right. I'll, I'll, I'll go first. I would have to say... I think I think uh, behead is the first one that you can just kind of do easily. Uh, let's just be behead Tibble. We don't really <laughs> need him. <laughs> yeah. And now this leads to bed and wed. So who's who's hotter here? That 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 has to like go through my mind. I'm gonna have to go with, and I'm sure I'm gonna like realize later on that I I like missed way better options.
0: Well, who who are you thinking between in your head? Like who are the options you're you're trying to process through?
1: I want to say Sarah. Sure. Like the, because she's basically like a god avatar. That, that, I feel like that'd be a good, uh, wed because then, I don't know, you'd probably get to like go up to Sarah's realm and, you know,
0: live out your I don't days know. in peace. Be, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You just chill there, have a bunch of angels to protect you, and uh, maybe become some sort of seraph or something. That, that could be kind of cool. Yeah. Bed is the tough one
0: though. Yeah. It's true. I'm it's like, one- like, it's like a one night stand kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Ooh, you know what? I got, I got one for this. Magic art that has always really appealed to me scrapper champion. Every art by by Magali uh, Villeneuve is fantastic, but scrapper champion looks like she could just curb stop me.
0: You want that in bed. Okay. Got it.
1: I'm I'm not, I'm not (laughs) saying anything about myself here, but like, I don't know. She looks like she could kick my ass.
0: (laughs) All right. I am learning things about you today. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I don't think I know enough. Like I don't have enough art pieces memorized to actually be able to go strictly off of art. I just have to think through it from like a character slash character development perspective, and I think kill like if I could just do it, I just probably Bolus like he's awful, and I don't think we really need him around. Yeah. Um, okay. Ah oh man, Mary, you're you've got you've got something there about about Sarah. Like that's that's kind of the realm I think I would want to go for that. I don't know if it Sarah's would be
1: uh, nice.
0: <laughs> I don't know if it would be Sarah exactly, but something something probably something with white in the color identity someone uh, nice yeah like yeah, white like,
1: creatures and planeswalkers they tend to be pretty
0: good people yeah like Bane,
1: go go marry a baneslayer angel or something yeah
0: i won't have any problems ever again um
1: <laughs> definitely not with demons or dragons
0: <laughs> yeah now and kind of actually it's funny that, that you went the route you went with with the bed section of this because the first thing that popped into my head was lisa and lisa has a very similar oh. like i'll hurt you but i'll make you feel good while doing it <laughs> oh my god <laughs> you know like i don't know something about that sounds enticing i guess otherwise i'm having i think i'm having decision paralysis because there are a lot of like good good options for all of these
1: I w- I'll, I'll honorable mention bruna i knew you, uh, i was like i was after. actually
0: wondering how do you get through this without mentioning bruna because bruna oh yeah was, like, your was, first I'm, magic love
1: oh I'm, I'm absolutely in love with bruna uh the the version before she gets eldrazi fine <laughs>
2: that's
1: you know not not really into the whole eldritch thing if it is for you that's fine but uh <laughs> yeah no i love bruna i've got a bruna playmat i'm not a fan of like the overly sexy playmats you mm-hmm, know mm-hmm. Uh, if you love them that's fine uh but like uh, i i'd like to uh you know I, I like to be able to bring mine like some of my stuff home and not have my parents ask me lots of questions um <laughs> uh, but that being said uh I do have a, a Bruno a map because that that art is just gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, I've got a Bruna sticker on my laptop. She was my first commander I ever built by myself. Um so actually, you know what? Sorry, Scrapper Champion. You, you've been booted. Uh we're, we're betting Bruna.
0: <laughs> Get scrapped.
1: <laughs> oh man.
0: Yeah, I, I think I would say kill bolus, marry someone like Sarah. Maybe maybe um like yeah, some some ah man, I'm yeah, I'm f- kinda Ooh, all right. Bed the Wanderer. Because you wouldn't have to worry Ooh. about ever, like, going anywhere with oh, her. Oh, no
1: attachments. Yeah, yeah just kind of clean one-night stand. Yeah, interesting. And know
0: nothing about her. It's mysterious. It's kind of it's kind of cool.
1: Oh, yeah, there's a, an element of mystery. I <laughs> don't even know if it's a her. <laughs> That's true. It, there's there's some ambiguity there. It's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> great question. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was a
0: great question, Andy. Thanks. <laughs>
1: I wish we'd prep for this one better. Me too. Next up, we've got OD402 asking... What are your favorite Magic the Gathering sets that were released before you started playing? Each of us pick one. What do you think?
0: There is a dog barking outside right now, and I don't know if it's audible here, but I don't have a sound treated <laughs> room, so it's probably awful. Anyway, I would have to say... I'm actually trying to think if I've played a whole lot with sets that I that came out before I, I started playing Magic, because I started playing Magic with M10, which was a long time ago, and there have been a lot of sets since then. I don't know that I've actually gone back far enough to play with, with sets that Maybe and, and I, honestly, my timeline's a little screwed up. I don't know. I think New Phyrexia came out after M10, or was it before?
1: I would not know the answer to that. This is this is five years before I was involved. Yeah,
0: I don't I don't remember if it came out. I'll say New Phyrexia because I did love that set. But if it came out after I started playing, maybe like Lorwyn, that kind of era. Mm, yeah, is, so is that this, your answer? I think that's 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 my answer. If New Phyrexia isn't actually satisfying the question. Because I, I did really like New Phyrexia, but I don't well, what remember
1: about when it came that, uh, out. What about these appealed?
0: New Phyrexia was just really cool to me. The whole like the way that the Phyrexians kind of came into Mirrodin and and did their their thing there, and kind of just the idea of Phyrexians, like what they were. It was also one of the first decks I ever got. Actually, this maybe this maybe it wasn't. I think one of the first core decks I ever bought. I don't remember if it came out before or after I started playing, but one of the first core decks I bought was involving like it was like a mono black like Phyrexian-esque deck. I don't remember if it had any actual Phyrexians in it, but yeah, it was just a really, really interesting deck. And I like the lore behind the the new Phyrexians and how they're kind of like looming there and we're just waiting to hear what's going on with that.
1: Yeah, that's true. We haven't heard about the Phyrexians in a while. I, I would be surprised if we don't see them in the next few years.
0: We got a hint at them with Dominaria because Karn planeswalked away to go finish something involving them. Yeah, it's true. But and that wasn't was there a gone. card...
1: I feel like there was a card in Modern Masters or... yes horizons um it was in horizons one of those separate sets that um it showed icor which is the uh the stuff that's been known uh to be involved with i think doesn't that that that's what the Frexians do to people they like cover them in icor and it makes them all Frexianified, something like that yeah
0: yeah something to that effect i don't i don't admittedly i don't know the lore that that deep but that is essentially what what happens yeah they like take over planets it's kind of like they're kind of like robot eldrazi to to an extent like they do like
1: from star trek right like yeah, yeah like, oh, but, you must become us become perfect and, and right. beautiful, like we are
0: yeah it's like it's like like if the eldrazi had order to them as opposed to chaos because mm-hmm. they, they still like take over entire planes and then move on to the next plane and just take over again and you know try to spread their themness but yeah
1: but reforming instead of annihilating
0: right right
1: yeah i, I think uh i'm pretty sure they showed it was something about icor but i feel like it was like some of the sun warriors uh, on ixalan right like, I think yes, they've yes, discovered was. something. So, something seems sus about it. It seemed like a kind of hint, yes. uh, similar to the hints that we used to get when M, we were wondering if Emrakul was coming to Innistrad. Uh, that very subtle, just kind of a little nod, but, like, if you look closely, it was there the whole time.
0: Yep. Um, as for Lorwyn block, I think those were the that was the first set where they started. They introduced the hybrid pips, where you had, like, blue, blue-green in the same pip, so you could spend either to, to cast them, and I thought that was really cool from a design perspective.
1: For me, I'd probably say Alara block. Mm. Uh, I've always loved multicolored stuff something about when a card has multiple colors and does the thing that multiple colors do it's just like nice I get it uh, it's it's kind of that um that sense of understanding that's so important uh, when a new card gets spoiled and uh, it's black green for example the, the wolf that just got spoiled uh, you can look at it and go oh does this do a green thing it gets bigger yep does this do a black thing exile stuff yep cool I get it it makes sense uh and it's it's like a payoff Putting time and effort into understanding how this game is designed. Mm-hmm. So in Alara, it was all about the multicolored stuff. Uh, there were these wedges, uh, the ones that were different than uh, Khan's block. We haven't seen these wedges in a while, actually. I'm wondering if we're going to get those again anytime soon. Now, with those wedges, my favorite was Naya. I love the Naya stuff. When I was first getting into Magic, I would go back on old spoilers and just make like casual decks. Uh, just to, to own well actually one of my favorites is a deck made almost entirely from cards from uh, the naya shard of, of the uh alara block it's just ramping into big green stuff woolly thoktar uh for example costs red green white it's a three mana and it's a five four and that's it <laughs> like that's that's nice and clean it's a big monster and i do love turning big things sideways
0: Yeah, actually, Alara block was really, really cool, especially from like a a lore perspective. Just like the whole idea that that these shards existed and became shards, right? Like they weren't, Alara was originally whole and then it was split. Really cool. I've always kind of gravitated more towards the Jeskai and Esper, like, well, the Esper shard and the Jeskai clan, basically, Mm -hmm. because Jeskai wasn't originally one of the shards. But yeah, I don't don't know. Those are kind of the colors I tend to gravitate to, but that's cool. Yeah. I, you know, I'm kind of surprised I didn't say Ravnica, like OG Ravnica block, because yeah. Return to Ravnica is my favorite set of all time. And and that's just, I'm, I'm surprised that Ravnica didn't even come up in my head. And it's also, Ravnica is supposed to be one of, like, I've never drafted it, but the original Ravnica block was supposed to be really good drafting.
1: Yeah, so I've heard. Also, never never actually done it myself. Again, before my time.
0: Yeah, so next we're getting into a pretty deep question, and I'm excited to talk about this a little bit. Um, Ooh. Again, from Andy. Andy X asks excuse me are you happy with your career choices or would you do something different if you had had like had the ability to do it all over again basically are you happy with your career choice or would you do something different if you could that's tough this is this is interesting for both of us because we're just starting our careers so Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) it's not too late to (laughs) to back out i would say things kind of uh took unfortunate turns with covid i think we'd have really different maybe more, more well-informed answers to this question if COVID had never happened. I'd be able to comment a bit more about my thoughts on teaching from like an everyday perspective. And I do love it, I know that I love teaching uh, because I've I've worked uh, as a teaching assistant at uh, college while I was doing my grad work. And I, I spent two years in grad school and I, I knew like through all that, I was like, yes, this is good when it works, I feel great, I love it. I love learning and I love helping other people learn. Uh, that being said, the teaching aspect of teaching, that's amazing. But everything else, the the bureaucracy side, I don't love that. And I don't think I will stay involved with uh, typical like high school teaching for my whole life. And something I could see myself doing for the next five or 10 years or so, absolutely. But there's something that many people notice about these deeply entrenched teachers, ones that, I mean, you've all had teachers like this, ones that are so stuck in their ways, they're burnt out they don't really care. And it's clear to see they don't have that that fire uh, that kind of makes them want to you know, make fun things. I don't want that ever to happen to me. And while I think it'd be tough for me to have a situation that does wind up happening to me, I don't really want to risk it either. Because I'm sure these people, they don't think that they're bad teachers. Uh, I think I'd want to stop long before I'm even at risk for that. So I'd say the bureaucratic side of... Um, submitting forms and like someone someone hasn't gotten it back to me about my dental insurance in like three months and i have to go call them but like it's it's like come on that's not why i'm doing this i could care less about all that i told my students this past week that honestly their grades while important for a whole host of reasons are not really what i look at it's it's what they actually learn that mindset which is one of the core parts of why i'm teaching isn't always smiled upon. And right now in my district, I'm lucky that I have great administration uh, and they, they do like that kind of approach. But I don't know, maybe someday I'll find that that's not actually working out so well anymore. So as of right now, I'd say I love it. If I could go back and make some changes, I would have learned to code earlier. Uh, I'm I'm still a very beginning coder. Every once in a while, I'll try to mess around with it, but I never really get very far. If I could have learned to code earlier, it's likely that I would have gone into astrophysics research. Although I do have some friends involved in that now, and I mean, they, they hate themselves. <laughs> they're, oh, wow. they're not having fun. Turns out, you know, astrophysics PhD programs, well, they sound like a lot of fun. I miss doing that kind of math and, and actually hard physics. Right, they sound like fun. Um, <laughs> yeah they sound amazing like uh, oh my god like my, my friend sent me some of her homework that she was doing and there were like tensors and i was like oh my god i'm teaching my students vectors <laughs> get get me out of here <laughs> but uh that,
0: that might change though like if you ever get into like a professorship right if you mm-hmm. end up teaching college you'll get to actually to, to talk about a lot of that newer stuff right
1: Yeah, that's something I've thought about. I would consider going into some sort of higher ed learning. Uh, I loved being a teaching assistant at at, uh, my University of Rutgers, where I was kind of in charge of some lower level physics classes. And uh, I worked with an experienced professor. Who uh, actually may or may not be listening to this podcast. Uh, shout out to my professor if he is. That being said, I could see myself going into something else someday, whether it's astrophysics research or maybe even some sort of museum position. I think I could I could mm. really enjoy uh, someone that is a science educator in a non school based facet. Uh, because I think if I could have the same experience of being like a science communicator to people, I think that's something that I love doing and something that I've gotten skilled at over a lot of practice and a lot of good teachers that have taught me. Um, if I could do that, minus the the BS of how teachers are treated in our country and some of the other problems in, in the modern school systems, that would be my ideal lifestyle.
0: Yeah, that, that's big. I mean, that's a lot of like introspective thought right there. And yeah. uh it definitely but the
1: listeners are here for, right?
0: <laughs> I, I mean, I hope so. We tend to do it relatively frequently, but I, I think that's, that's big. It's good to take that look so early in your career and, and be able to say like, you know, there's a point here that I've seen enough people get to that. I know it's not an anomaly and I don't want to let yeah. myself get there. And it's, that's good. Cause it's going to help you plot out the course of your career, like the trajectory of your career and when you're going to make moves to certain, uh, mm. certain different opportunities and things like that. So it's, it's good to have in the back of your mind.
1: Yeah, I think maybe I could just instead just say, screw it, live out in the wilderness, uh, get off the grid, forage for food, that kind of thing. Also a great career option, <laughs> given the current state of affairs.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I used to joke with people that like the best way to live is to get a massive yacht, like a, a mass, like massive, <laughs> massive ship that is big enough to host a bunch of other ships, right? So you like dock a uh-huh. bunch of smaller ships inside of this big like cruise ship type thing. Mm hmm. And then you send those smaller boats out to get things for you on mainlands, But you move around in international waters. So you don't have to pay property taxes. You don't have to like worry about who your government is. You're just kind of there. You might have to worry about piracy every now and then. But like if your ship's big enough, like you can probably afford weapons and like defense system and all that (laughs) kind of thing. So
1: this this is sounding like you're making your own like floating nation state.
0: (laughs) Kind of, except it's just me and my family and the occasional friend who wants to come visit.
1: All right. As long as I get a free boarding pass, yeah, I'm yeah, in. You're fine. You're fine. All right. Let's let's do it then. How about yeah, you?
0: Yeah. For me, you know, it's interesting because um, if you don't know, I am a site reliability engineer, uh, which is close enough to just more or less saying a software developer. But I don't actually frequently develop software. I build and maintain the the servers that and like all the security around those servers and uh, things like that 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 software is running on. It's kind of the easiest way I can explain what that what I do. But um, I started with software development. That was where I like did internships and you know actually getting into cloud ops, which is you know like generally what I'm doing. Dev DevOps is getting into that was kind of a fluke. Like it, it happened by accident, and I'm happy that it did happen. But I was planning to be a software developer, and I saw an interesting post that a, f- a friend sent to me recently, where there's an individual who was talking about uh, how they're leaving. The software industry, and um, they they ranted. And I'll call it a rant because they were they were more more or less venting, but they were giving their two cents on the software industry as a whole. And it, there are a lot of the same issues. Like you're talking about some companies, are like some massive companies, like Nielsen has forty six thousand employees. IBM has uh, like a hundred something thousand employees. Like there are a lot of companies that are big, uh, have a lot of a lot of people at them. And of course, when you have that many people under a single hierarchy, you're going to have a lot of bureaucracy. There's a lot of things that have to move through hoops to get done. Uh, there are a lot of like, you know, like you have to kind of kiss up to certain people to get anywhere with certain things or certain requests like that's everywhere. That is not job specific or industry specific. You're going to run into that just about anywhere unless you happen to be your own boss, which I think few people are
1: <laughs> lucky you
0: <laughs> as far as like the day to day, what I do and whether or not I like it, I think I think I, I like I don't think I would do it over. I make good money for my age and uh, I on average, get to work pretty close to a nine to five. I occasionally have to work past five, but occasionally I get done earlier. With my current job, like the place that I work at, I do have an on-call rotation, which means that like if something breaks within the infrastructure, an application goes down or something, I have to be available at all times to be able to fix it. That kind of sucks, um, but they're like weekly rotations, so like someone on my team is always doing it. It's not always me. Mm. Um, I was actually supposed to be on call for Christmas, and uh, that would have sucked, but somebody who is not taking the week off took that that shift for me. Thank you very much. So, hmm. but but it's fun. I, I learn a lot. I love technology. So it's it's definitely a space that I like to be in. Um, there are a lot of things that I don't like about it. The interview process for tech jobs is really awful. Um, hmm. You know, there's like this meme about how like, and actually I've seen, I've seen this, this was not a meme. This was an actual thing that happened to somebody. I saw uh, they, they were posting about it. They were talking that they were applying for a job and the description of the job was asking for uh, like five plus years experience in this specific technology, some some API of sorts. Mm-hmm. And the guy who was applying for the job invented and created that that very same API that they were asking for. <laughs> the thing is, they're asking for five plus years experience in this, and the guy created it three years ago. <laughs> and that is oh, endemic. Wow. that is endemic to tech job positions. So they always, they will say that they, like companies will always say they're interviewing or like the position is for an entry level job, but you have to have three years experience to get it. And it's like, hold on, it's entry level. Like, I
1: so shouldn't... how do you get that?
0: Right. So that kind of starts with you need internships and those internships need internships. And it's like really hard to get your first one. But then once you get one, you kind of can use that as leverage to get your next and your next and your next and whatever, which is um, also like a weird. Like, I think to to try to answer this question, I know I'm kind of rambling a little bit to try to answer this question. I wouldn't change my career, especially because it's put me on a path where I likely will be able to retire relatively early. However, I don't necessarily know if I would have gone to college because Mm. in the software industry and and this is getting more and more, it's getting easier to do this. It's very easy to teach yourself everything, you know, everything you need to know just online for free or Mm. at very, very low cost relative to the cost of college. And I went to a college, Actually, I went to Stevens Institute of Technology, which is in New Jersey. It's actually the most expensive school in New Jersey. It's more expensive than Princeton. Yikes. Yeah, it came in after like housing and everything. It came in at close to like 80K a year. Yikes. Yeah. So not cheap. Luckily, like my loans will be paid off relatively quickly. Like I'm I'm pretty blessed to be able to say that I won't be in debt for too long. But, you know, they still exist. And it would be nice to not have them in the first place. And I think college was almost to some degree a waste of time because a lot of what I learned in school I'm not using. Mm -hmm. Um, But I basically went to school. I told myself I went to school to learn what I didn't know. Like to 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 understand what topics I didn't know, because I I didn't know what I didn't know going into college.
1: Yeah, that's a fair
0: assessment. But having learned, like, if they could have just if I could have just paid like you know ten thousand dollars for a list of things that the industry wants me to know, I would have just done that and been done. Like, I would have <laughs> like just, just gone a, and learned it all myself.
1: Ten thousand dollars for like an email with a text file attached
0: to it. Yeah, like, they, I you mean, go. Like, hey, <laughs> like, yeah. it would have saved me like it would have saved me like a hundred hundred thousand dollars in debt, right? Like, yeah, yeah. even after. You know, getting scholarships and stuff. So I don't know. I, I think I think that's probably where I would go. But I mean, I can't really complain. Everything has gone pretty well for me as far as getting jobs goes, and the people I work with are fantastic. So I wouldn't really change that. I wouldn't like want to want to trade that in. And I'm learning a lot. So you know, until that stops, I I'm pretty happy with the decision I made. But thanks for the question, Andy. That was that was a really good question.
1: Next up, we've got Wolverine asking, "What is the best Magic Limited advice you ever got?" I got an easy answer for this one. Go for it. Bend all your mana. That was
0: exactly time. my answer. <laughs> oh my gosh!
1: It's the correct answer. It's it's like there's other limited heuristics out there. You go watch or go listen to LR. Uh, they've got so many great episodes about the the things you need to do, like limited level up type advices. And there's plenty of those, like draft cards that affect the board state. Look for signals. Play around pump spells and removal spells and bluffing and all that stuff is fine you can make a nice list of all that about like a, a correct ordering of, of which is right. But I think they all pale in comparison to spending all your mana every turn. I think that is by and large the number one thing that if you are not doing, you will notice the most drastic improvement when you start doing. And it helps in ways that it's hard to see at first. Mm-hmm. So imagine this, you have five lands in play. Uh, you just played your land for a turn it's your fifth land. You have a four drop, a five drop, and a two drop in your hand. Let's say that that four drop is a game-winning bomb. Like your opponent has one turn to answer it. So you're like, oh, okay, I'm just going to play it. And let's say they answer it. Uh, You thought it was worth it at the time. They answer it. So now you've kind of left that one mana up, whatever. Next turn, you top deck a land. And now you're like, well, wait a minute. Now I can't play both my spells. Because now I can play my sixth land, but I have a five drop and a two drop in my hand. So now you're left single spelling. Uh, And now your opponent could take this opportunity to get ahead. They might have developed a board state. They might have done all these other things. Maybe they have the counterspell for your your five drop that you're now going to tap out for. And then you don't get to play your two drop until next turn. And maybe your board is empty and maybe you're dead by that next turn. Because now this has taken three turns to get done instead of what could have taken two turns. If you'd played your five drop for five mana, tapping out fully, and then drawn that land, played your four drop and your two drop in the same turn. So it's hard to quantify the amount of value you get from this when you're looking at the game and there are certainly positions where it is correct to play that four drop first mm-hmm. but ultimately overall i highly recommend doing what marshall sutcliffe asks people to do fairly frequently take a take a, a draft and just try to tap out every
0: turn yeah and, uh, and maybe and don't just bad. don't just tap your lands like actually yeah. cast things with it but
1: yeah draft a deck with a good curve and just tap out every turn uh, see what fits the board the best spend the most possible mana every turn cast the spells at the largest mana costs as early as possible tapping out for them when you can you will notice that your win percentage will just go up that's just how it works yeah
0: yeah i mean what you're what you're talking about the, the core of what you're talking about is is resource efficiency right You're mm. you're leveraging your resources in the most efficient way possible if you're doing that and your opponent's not you will win more games to give a slightly different answer, just because like that was actually my, my same uh, best advice I've ever gotten as well. But um, to give a slightly different answer, it's to draft decks, not cards. You know, always always focus on your plan. Try to figure out what your, what your deck is doing as you're building it while you're in the draft portion of, of Limited, as opposed to just taking the most powerful card in every pack and just saying, like, I drafted a bunch of good cards. I should have a good deck. Because that, that doesn't always work. Mm-hmm.
1: Asking yourself mid-draft, how am I going to win the games? Like, what does the board state look like when my opponent's life total goes to zero was i attacking with something did, were they scooping because they couldn't get through my defenses uh, was it something else an alternate win condition what does a win look like for this deck that's also an excellent piece of advice
0: yeah and and then from there extrapolate how do i get there if that's if that's the end point and that's the goal and that's what the game looks like the board state looks like when i'm winning how did i get there and kind of kind of play catch up with yourself and figure out backtrack that way and figure out what you need to do at the beginning of the game to make sure you get to that end point that's a, that's a great question as well, Wolverine. Thanks. Next up is a question from Aurora asking, what is your most memorable play, either by you or your opponent? And mine, actually, uh, maybe it's just because it happened this year, which feels so weird to say. It does not feel like this happened this year. Um, is one I've actually talked about on the show before in a sign-off, I believe. Actually, I think it was the sign-off with Marshall. A while, ben and I like to frequent uh, GPs in our area. And we tend to go together. We do two-headed drafts, two-headed seals, whatever we can do to make like to to spend the time together and like hang out and have a good time. Um, and one of the, the the most memorable play or sequence of plays that that has happened for me was we were we were doing a two-headed giant sealed event. And if you don't know, two-headed giant is where, um, and especially in sealed, is you, you both open six packs like you would in normal sealed, but you can put your pools together and build two decks out of both of your pools, and then you play together as a team against two other players simultaneously. You share a life total, you share phases, uh, all that kind of stuff. But you still have two separate decks, and you play your cards out separately. But anyway, two-headed Giant seal is our favorite format, and we... I guess ignoring Cube. Mm. And we we draft... We, we opened our packs, we built a sick deck, and it was the day of my birthday. Like, mm-hmm. actually on my birthday, we were doing this, and we... We opened the most amazing pool for a blue-white control deck. We had Kiora Best the Sea God. It was Theros Beyond Death. We had Kiora Best the Sea God. We had um, Dream Trawler in the same deck and a bunch of support for those two. So it was just like my dream blue-white control deck. Uh, mm-hmm. And Ben had perfect cards for like a red-green like Beats deck with Clothis. He and... had
1: Clothis and some other like four-power nonsense. I was very happy with it.
0: It was great. It was like the best, especially because like... As 2 out of giant players, we want decks that complement each other, and so his deck would be really good at gumming up the board early and making sure that we're chipping in some damage here and there, and I just stop our opponents from initiating their threats. And it, they work very well in tandem, and our pool was not pulling, like, it's not like he was playing blue-black and I was playing blue-white. Like, we weren't splitting colors. We It was just so nice the way the, the packs broke. We steamrolled through the first two rounds of the event, like, Without real, any real trouble. We just right through. Won every game we played. And we got to the final round of the tournament. And we're playing against these two... I mean, I'll I'll call them children. They weren't that young. They were probably like 10, 11 maybe.
1: Yeah, kids to us.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, they were there. So we knew they were at least formidable players. They they made it to, to an undefeated... Uh, record. We're playing, and the game's going back and forth. They're making some weird trades, and Ben and I are, like, looking at each other, like, what's going on here? This looks weird. They're, like, maybe they just, maybe they don't actually know what they're doing, but that's kind of a dangerous thought pattern when you're playing Magic. Like, you per- should pretty much assume that your opponents know what they're up to. And, uh, so we're, we're doing this back and forth for a few turns, and I'm countering a bunch of their big threats. They're doing some sort of, like, some random milling stuff, and I looked at Ben, and I go, I smell a Thassa's Oracle. Like mm-hmm. Thassa's Oracle is coming. I, I'm, I just feel it. Like I can just tell it's all in
1: the game. They're, they're playing some blue black stuff. They could be milling themselves. Who knows?
0: Right. So I looked at Ben. I said, I smell Thassa's Oracle. And then I looked at the opponents and didn't really get any reaction from them, which is kudos to them because they didn't really give off anything. Uh, but Thassa's Oracle is a rare and this is sealed. Like what's the chance that they happen to open a Thassa's Oracle in their pool and then get enough support to play it and all that kind of stuff? So I was like, I don't know. I've got two two counter spells left in my hand. I'll just play them out and we'll see how things go. So I countered another, like a big threat they put down. And then I countered something that I was on the fence about. I was like, I don't know that I should actually counter this because if they do have the Thassa's Oracle, we're just going to lose. I don't have a way to beat it. So I I countered it anyway. I was like, whatever, it's a rare. There's no way. The next turn, they mill themselves out and play Thassa's Oracle. And I like, um, that uh, was was so sad. I was so sad. (laughs) Because I had the read and everything. Oh, man. Mm. Good that, for them. They, they got yeah, a bunch oh, of yeah. tickets. It was, was, was and we, we walked that. away with the memory, too. So, oh, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Always expect the Thassa's Oracle.
0: Yeah. How about you?
1: Well, mine is actually also a Grand Prix uh, occurrence, although this was on day one of a Grand Prix. It was a different Grand Prix, I think a, a few years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. This is original Kaladesh, right? Or, uh, yes. Aether uh, Revolt, uh, Revol- I guess. Revol- I believe, yeah. Aether Revolt, yeah. So we were playing in the standard portion of the event. Uh, Zach and I had brewed up these incredibly cool control decks. Uh, they were not meta; they they were not like being played. We had just brewed them up ourselves. We thought we had a good angle on the meta game. Uh, people were playing Mardu vehicles, uh, Teamer Energy, uh, this kind of thing. Some pretty good decks, but we thought, hey, let's just take some controlling actions. We've got uh, Disallow, Torrential Gearhulk, Glimmer of Genius. Uh, that was a fun deck. And is. Now, Fumigate was the key part of this deck. Uh, this says uh, three white, white sorcery, destroy all creatures, and you gain one life for each creature destroyed this way. So I was actually up against someone that was playing Teemer Energy. Now, it wasn't the broken Aetherworks Marvel. Yeah, this was just the, the more like creature-based version of the deck. Whirler Virtuosos and, and that kind of nonsense. So I was up against the wall. My opponent had been beating down. I hadn't really been drawing well, and I needed to hit a Fumigate. It was very clear to my opponent, Fumigate was all that could get me out of this. So uh, it, was, it was all I, I could have. So on their end step, uh, they, they passed to me. I needed to draw something this turn, or I was absolutely dead. Their board state was too big. I had like, some Planeswalkers in my hand, but they wouldn't do anything. My counterspells were useless. So on their end step, I Glimmer of Genius to just try to find something. This is three and a blue, scry two, get two energy, draw two cards. So I Glimmer on their end step. I look at the two cards... Not what I want. I bottom them. or uh, There's a Glimmer in there. Sorry, I had eight lands. So I bottom one, leave the Glimmer on top, draw the Glimmer, Glimmer again. I look at the two cards, put them on the bottom. I'm tapped out. It's very clear I'm dead. My opponent is like, you need a Fumigate, right? And I'm like, yeah, I need a Fumigate. So I passed my turn, flip over the top card, Fumigate. <laughs> and I went on to win the game.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. I would I would have loved it. Honestly, like it would have been hilarious if they were just running like a one like just a single like spell pierce or something and like, you weren't <laughs> able to get it through
1: but. something yeah no it was it was one of my all-time favorite plays they played a creature the next turn i played uh sorin grim nemesis or whatever that big mm-hmm. one was uh and i took over the game from there that was my all-time most memorable play in magic that's amazing. I actually uh, I did end up conceding uh to my opponent uh, after in, in the last round uh giving them the win because we ended up dropping from right around there. Uh, that's when we went to go do side events instead. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, and actually that's that side event was also very very memorable.
1: That's where we steamrolled people with our uh our awesome red green. Again, red green deck and and your control deck. <laughs> yeah, that's it's yeah. kind of our thing.
0: Yeah, it, I mean it wasn't like I don't like my my control deck, at least in that in that event, was not uh, the same caliber that the one on my birthday was. But we we again steamrolled through and we were undefeated into the last round and we were both exhausted. It was really tired. It was like a long day after playing in the main event and then also trying to play in the side event. It was late. It was like, I mean, like 730 or something. And we had hardly eaten all day. We were just exhausted and wanted some food and our opponents finally show up. I think they were they were right on the cusp of being like late or whatever. And they're like, whatever ramifications happen then but they they were fine but they show up and we we look at each other and we look at them and we're just like hey guys like nice to meet you we're pretty exhausted would you mind if we just split and if you've never played in a tournament you can split at the end it's like an intentional draw basically so you both take a, a draw and walk away with whatever records in it and you don't play the, you don't have to play the games and we're like can we can we just can we just split take our prize like we'll both get really good prize packs or prize points or whatever it was and you know we can go on our way we're just hungry and tired can can we just call it a night and they looked at us with like a fury and they were like, no, we're here to play. So we sat down and played and we steamrolled them, like <laughs> absolutely annihilated them. It was not a close game in the slightest. And we walked away with a win and then got some food. It was great. They were so upset, though. It was hilarious. They
1: were salty. They were salty. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, you know, that, that's what you get, you know? Yeah. So getting to some of our last questions here. Jaron asks, how would you describe yourself in three words? Mm. Oh, jeez.
0: We should Talk. have probably thought, put some actual thought into these beforehand. I thought it'd be fun to go into this blind, but some of these like, really require some forethought.
1: No, no, this, this one we can come up with something, right?
0: Do they have to be, uh, do they have to make a sentence of some kind, or are they just three words that, that describe you?
1: Uh, I'm going to go with the, uh, you've you probably never heard this one before, uh, live, laugh, love.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> uh, I, I could probably do something, something a little bit. Hmm. Now, is this like three descriptors, or? Is this like a sentence? Yeah, that's what that I was asking. Three words long. I, I think I, let's make let's say it's either. Okay. So I would say if I'm going to do a sentence that describes myself in three words, I question everything. That's I think about as good as I can do. That's and good, I think yeah. that uh, I, I think it resonates with me as a scientist. Um, that's kind of what science is. But I think it can be it can be more than that. You can question all sorts of things. Uh, I like questioning reality and making myself laugh from the absurdity of, of the stuff around this. Uh, I like questioning. You know, other things. What should I eat for dinner? Maybe I'll go out to get wawa or something to make myself happy. I don't know. I think questioning is something that's very unique about humans. I don't think a lot of other species do it. Um, but as as the... Uh, we're the sensory organs of the universe, right? So the fact that we can look around and, and question things is pretty beautiful.
0: That's that's nice. Uh, I guess for me, yeah, I would. That. <laughs> I would say uh, for me, it's probably I question nothing. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs>
1: I'm and just that kidding. is why we work well together. <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, no, I don't. I don't know. Um, I think I'm mean, gonna have a harder time coming up with with an actual sentence than you did. That's very good, though. I think that fits you very, very well. So great job there. I, I'm going to try to take, I think I'm going to take the, the more just like three distinct words that happen to describe me. Yeah. Uh, One is meticulous. I tend to be really meticulous about things. Um, I frequently spend way too much time <laughs> thinking about things before I actually go ahead and either do them or buy them or whatever. So meticulous, crafty, in the sense that like, like I tend to come up with interesting solutions to problems.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, not like arts and crafts
0: no not not really and actually i have a i have a pretty pretty bad uh, artistic mind i would say i'm I'm not very creative but i am generally pretty good at coming up with unique solutions to things and like like thinking outside the box that way and the last word would be resourceful i don't i don't really have any issue going to people for help i'm perfectly willing to admit that i don't know something or that i can't do something or Mm -hmm that I just need help in some way, shape, or form.
1: It's an underrated life skill.
0: Yeah, I mean, t- don't get me wrong. I do definitely try my do du- my best or my due diligence before I involve yeah, other yeah. people or other other tools, but I'm not not really too worried about throwing in the towel and admitting I need help when I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good, good
1: words. Thanks.
0: Last up here, this is our last question before we get to uh, what you guys have all probably been waiting for, the cube giveaway. Rob Dies at the End asks... What strengths do you think you or Magic players as a whole will take away from your all-digital Magic experience once you can finally get back to playing in person?
1: I think, honestly, one of the biggest takeaways is just all the practice that we've gotten recently. Just being able to draft so many times, uh, I feel like there's a part where, at this point, we've both gotten through a lot of our big level-ups. We know how to draft pretty well. We know how to play pretty well. We know a lot of these heuristics, and we know when to break the heuristics. But I feel like once you've gotten past that point, you kind of ramp up your skill level really quickly and then it's kind of a slower grind upwards at and practice and, and skill development that only comes from repetition. And I think uh, instead of any specific skills that I'll take back besides maybe um, I guess I can't emote anymore when I'm in person. That's kind of unfortunate.
0: You can, you can get <laughs> stickers made so you can use the, the, the hedron stickers or whatever. Oh, that's true. Those cute.
1: I do like those. Uh, I, I might find myself saying, like, oh, you're go. <laughs> a little, like, nice. <laughs> a little more often. Thinking. but <laughs> It's efficient. It, it's it's clean. No, but actually, I, I think, um, just honestly getting all this practice, and that being said, if, if I ever get the chance to do a, a Zendikar Rising uh, draft in person, I'm just going to be flying through that thing. <laughs> Barely looking at the cards, casting stuff. I could be, like, having a conversation on the side. But, uh, as for what strengths, I, I think I'll also take away a new appreciation of how much I miss playing Magic with people in front of me. I, I don't know if you, everyone would define that as a strength, but it's something I'm going to appreciate a lot more the next time I'm able to sit down across from an opponent in a local game store and just talk to someone, talk to my opponent, and uh, hang out, have fun with them, and of course try to you know get some good bluffs off.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I think one that I'll have taken away personally, and I hope Magic players as a whole will take as well, um, is the ability to step away, like just, just recognize Mm -hmm. when too much is too much and, and, you know, take a break and do something else with your time or your money or whatever. I think like, like kind of along the same lines as what Ben said, we've had way more magic this year than I think anybody bargained for. Uh, Hmm. there've been a lot of products that have come out. There have been like, like just the ability, like everybody's working from home or a large majority of people are working from home and the ability to just kind of jam a draft between like at lunch or like between, Meetings, or you know, whatever it happens to be, uh, I think is is something we weren't expecting to get. So I kind of I'll revel in that for for a little bit. It's nice to be able to just draft whenever I want and be able to talk about magic so much. Uh, I don't think I've talked about magic, and part of that is creating a podcast this year. But like, I don't think I've talked about magic as much as I have this year in any other year at all. Like, not even close. So I think building, like, being able, to, I, I guess that that's the biggest strength actually. And this is not what I started saying, but the biggest strength I'll take away is is. Being able to still try to find the gathering in magic without actually getting people around you. Um, I think we've done a pretty exceptional job of finding ways to interact with people even though we can't actually be with them.
1: Yeah, that's true. I I think this has been quite the year for all of us. I'm very glad that this podcast has been part of it. That This is an incredible experience. I I still remember when you just texted me one day. We're like, hey, how about this idea? (laughs) We never thought it would turn into something like this. Not at all. And, but here we are and uh, thank you for, for you listening, for, for coming along with us and looking forward to a lot more good times in 2021.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And thank you all for the questions. These were really awesome. We had a, a blast chatting about this stuff and uh, oh, yeah. hopefully, hopefully we can do another one of these in the not so distant future. This was really, really fun. Indeed. So we've got one thing to do before we leave. And of course that is, we have to announce the winner of our cube giveaway. So as we kind of alluded to early on, Ben and I have been working on a cube that we we're calling the draft chaff cube and it is all draft chaff cards that we're building ourselves we're curating ourselves and because it's all draft chaff it's on the cheaper side we're trying to put the ceiling at about $100 for the whole cube and so we figured let's try to give this away it will be really fun to be able to engage the community that way and be able to um, you know give back a little bit cuz you guys have really brightened our year up uh, just by listening to the show and stuff so without further ado the winner is Hululu in the Discord. Congrats, Hululu! Congrats! Congratulations! For those, that, uh,
1: for those that didn't win, you could probably put this cube together for like fifty bucks. It's, it's looking to be around that. Well,
0: yeah, we were. I, I did mention we're targeting a ceiling of a hundred, but it actually might be quite a bit cheaper than that. We haven't quite finalized it yet, but it is going to be pretty cheap. So. Definitely uh, should be a fun experience, and we're both going to be picking up copies for ourselves as well.
1: Foil copies? Hopefully. Mark? I don't
0: know if it'll start foil, but I'm definitely going to foil it at some point.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Thanks con- for all of those that entered. Uh, yeah. And yeah, congrats, Lulu.
0: Definitely. Congratulations. And we'll be in contact to try to, um, you know, get all your, your contact info and, and make sure we send the cards to you uh, to the proper place. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, that about does it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening. Um, of course, if you're interested in trying to get involved with, with the community more, um, you know, things like these mailbag questions or, um, just getting involved with just dis- like talking magic with us and the other community members, check out our discord. We have uh, the link to that in the episode description, as well as on our Twitter page at draft Jaff pod. Of course, uh, if you want to give back to the show or you feel interested in, in that sort of thing, check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draft pod. We really appreciate everybody who is contributing there. It's mind-blowing that anybody is doing that but thank you so much to everybody <laughs> yeah. who is who is uh interacting with us in that way and um you, if you want to contact us directly outside of the discord you can do so via twitter uh you can find me at Galfridian, and you can find ben at Beta fish one the podcast is at uh at draft on twitter and uh at gmail.com if you want to email us thanks so much for listening this has been an absolute blast uh, enjoy the holidays and uh, we'll catch you in the new year see
1: you soon everybody so everybody uh I'd like to wish you all a, a merry uh, merry Christmas, happy holiday season with this little little different outro music than normal.
2: Have your song for merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. We'll be out of sight. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Break the old side gate. Next year, all our troubles will be miles away. Once again, as an olden day. Happy golden days of yore. Faithful friends who are dear to us will be near to us once more. Someday soon we all will be together, if the fates allow. Until then we'll have to muddle through somehow. So have yourself a merry little Christmas now.